You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hello, gleeful, glowing, and glamorous global gladiators. Welcome to Good Job Brain, your weekly quiz show and offbeat trivia podcast. This is episode 73, and of course, I'm your humble host, Karen, and we are your Minx with links thinking about Sphinx and Sphincter. Whoa. Whoa. Wow. <laughs> I'm Colin. I'm Dana. And I'm Chris. All right. Time for our first general trivia segment, Pop Quiz Hotshot. And today's Pop Quiz Hotshot is a little different mm-hmm. because oh. we had two very special listeners who came and visited us a couple weeks ago on their summer vacation, Truman and Julia. Super cool kids. And, and this uh, is what they wanted to do on their summer vacation. Yep. Yeah. They, on their summer vacation, uh, they were by chance in Berkeley and they wanted to come hang out with us. <laughs> so we let That's them. Fun. And why not? Yeah, yeah, why not? They they actually had fun pressing our buzzers for us. Yes. Yeah. So it was yes. very cute. <laughs> the first ever in-studio visit for a Good Job Ray. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> very exciting. And uh, so here's what happened. In our studio, a.k.a. Colin's apartment, uh, we're joined by Truman and Julia. Truman is 11, Julia is 8, and they're going to press our buzzers for us, yeah? Thanks, you guys. They nodded. Yeah. Yes. yes. They nodded. Here we go. What rapper refers to himself as Jigga and Jehovah. <laughs> yes! yes! Julia Prest. Jay-Z. Jay-Z. Did you guys know that? I, I didn't know that. Did you know that? <laughs> Truman and I don't listen to rap, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, we were talking about Disney earlier. Here's a Disney question. What children's movie was the top-selling video of the 20th century? Oh. Truman knows. Do you think nope. you know? He was, know? That's your buzzer. He oh, it's my, oh, he's going to buzz in for me. I have a guess. Um, you want to press mine for me? Oh. Uh, is it Little Mermaid? Incorrect. Mm. The, okay, so it's the top-selling video of the, the 20th, 20th century. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, Chris has. Is it Fantasia? Incorrect. Oh, Why, man. Wait, what was your logic behind that? That's because, because it, it was really popular. Time, so. Yeah, well, I heard, I heard Fantasia was really big on VHS. But mm. I, Got it. Top-selling children's video. Oh. It is The Lion King. Oh. Oh. Really? Really? I think it's because it's it's not princessy. It's it works for both families and oh, boys and girls. Right, mm-hmm. but still, that's pretty impressive. That movie came out when ninety at the, the ninety something the, the yeah. tail end it's of true. the twentieth century. Yeah. yeah. Also, I believe a top performing Disney soundtrack oh, as I well. It. Is that Circle of Life soundtrack? Hakuna Matata. They play that in the background of Toy Story when they're trying to catch up. Oh, really? That's some good huh. trivia. Oh, that that's a good a Easter very egg. That's a good piece of trivia, yes. And now you guys know that Truman is real and not just somebody that we made up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What 1980s cartoon series featured an 18 wheeler, not done yet, named <laughs> Optimus Prime? <laughs> Everybody! Transformers! Transformers. Yay! <laughs> All right. Do you guys like candy? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay, here's a good candy question. I like how you pointed I'm to ba- Julia, truly. I'm I'm like, Julia loves candy. She eats all the candy. There's only one right answer to it. Do yeah. you like right. candy? Yes. Yes. What candy bar did the Mars family name for one of its horses? What? Huh. Yes. Take a guess. Snickers? Yes! Wow! Oh, that does sound like That's a horse's good. name. Yeah. yeah, Snickers. Ooh, cartoons again. Lots of cartoon questions. All right. What middle initial is shared by Homer Simpson, <laughs> Elmer Fudd, and Rocky and Bullwinkle? <laughs> Julia Press. Do you guys know? I know. Jay. Yeah, yeah. Homer, Homer J. Simpson. Yeah. Do you know what Bart Simpson's middle name is, Colin? You're a Simpsons fan. Um, yeah. It's also J, isn't it? Well, it starts with, or it starts with a J. Yes. Uh, I don't know what it stands oh, for. Oh, like the word? It's Yeah, it's JoJo. JoJo. <laughs> Wait, full, like full middle name is JoJo? Yeah, Bartholomew JoJo Simpson. <laughs> All right. Last question. Do you guys like soda? <laughs> so this is a really unhealthy quiz. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I'm so sorry. <laughs> right, so a lot of they, they, they look at each other a lot when they ask these questions. Yeah, like, like do you like soda? I don't know, man. Do we like soda? <laughs> what should we say? All right. What soft drink had the tagline "Obey your thirst"? Oh, this might be a, this is back in the nineties, right? Obey your thirst. I, so. I think I think so. I know. I'm waiting to see I, if anybody else yeah. wants to take a stab take a at guess? this. All right, obey oh, your thirst. Hit me! Hit me! <gasps> 
Sprite. Yes. Yes. Good job, everybody. Thank you, Truman. And thank you, Julia, for joining us and pressing our buzzers for us. That's very nice. Oh, it's so nice to have people to do that for us. (laughs) We should get permanent people in here. I always kind of dreamed if we became famous, I wouldn't have to press my own buzzer anymore. (laughs) You would hire a a button. I would hire a a, a button presser (laughs) to save wear and tear on my my fingers. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Truman, Julia, would you like to say goodbye? To everybody? Yeah? Come on to the microphones. Let's do it together. Let's do it yes. together. All right. Everybody, bye! Bye! Yay! All right. So thank you guys, Truman and Julia, for visiting us. And you guys can expect the bill for the visit to show up any day. <laughs> yes. Our rates are extremely, extremely reasonable. Yeah. Sure. I got a piece of mail. You guys have been this? saving your allowance. What's an invoice? <laughs> <laughs> what is the Castorium Collection Agency? <laughs> All right. Time to jump into this week's topic. At Trivia, at Pub Trivia, we usually get a lot of questions that are in the true or false format. So the quiz master would ask, true or false, blah, 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 blah. And on your answer sheet, you say true or false. When, you know, in school and test, when you have a true or false test. The, the T and the F. Yeah, yeah. the T and F. Yeah. So like T for true, F for false. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I'm sure every kid has done this or at least has thought about doing this as kids you'd be like oh i'll write a t and yeah. i'll put a little line across the t <laughs> and, so, I'll, and i'll maybe extend the top of it a little bit less to the left <laughs> than it is to the right so it could pass either <laughs> right. way or maybe. like erase the line but still leave it that's there. what i yes. would do i would, yeah. I would do yeah. the one erase, and then erase would, it yeah, yeah. yeah. so yeah. you could maybe yes. maybe plausibly argue it either way so, no, my eraser wasn't good <laughs> the, the trafalse yes <laughs> Yes. Um, the classic truffles. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I've done that. No, have you guys done that? Generations of school children. I, I think I might have considered doing that once. Like maybe I, you know, see if I can get away with it. But I probably my uh, my my goody two shoes nature prevented me from doing such a thing. It was always one of those like efforts at yeah. cheating that even I was embarrassed at my effort. Oh, like I, you I know, yeah. I would I would try it a couple times. I look at it and like, oh, really? Has it come to this? I remember I had a spelling test once, and the word was America. And I was like, I don't know how to spell America. And the kid next to me was like, Oh my god, look at the pencil! And it was American paper pencil. <laughs> and so, like, I wrote down, I wrote down American though, because I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> you should have put American pencil. Yeah, I know. that would have totally yeah, given. That would have, yeah, that would have. Uh... I was so excited, and then it didn't work. <laughs> so this week, uh, relatedly, we are going to jump into the world of. Uh, exploits and cheats and sneaky stuff and uh shadiness so (laughs) this week we're talking about cheats and sneaks Uh, so, fellow listeners, uh, you'll be as impressed as I was when you find out that Karen this morning actually ran a marathon uh, before coming in to record the show. Thank yes. you. It was, yeah. a, it was a half marathon, but still, <laughs> I'm very proud of it. Oh, well, I'm only half impressed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm very achy. So I want to talk to you guys you know, in the vein of cheating about one of my favorite all-time cheating stories. Hmm. And, uh, you know, if you if you play enough trivia, if you go to enough pub quizzes, eventually you're going to be asked a question about Rosie Ruiz. Hmm. Rosie Ruiz. Rosie Ruiz. All right. So I'm glad it sounds like maybe you haven't heard of her, so I can uh, enjoy a little bit of the story here. I think Chris seems to be nodding appreciably. The topic of the show is cheating. So uh, let me just cut right to the chase here. And she may have been a cheater. So, you know, Karen, uh, in the world of marathons, the Boston Marathon is, is, I mean, if not, it's one of the most, if not the most prestigious marathon. Right, right. And, I mean, you had told me this a while ago. I mean, it's a big deal. You have to qualify. You know, you can't just, I'm going to go sign up and race this year. Right. You you have to have post a good enough time, right, to get in. Yeah, you have to Mm -hmm. have a, a time within your age range and your gender. There is a qualifying time. You have to make that or faster in order to even get 
uh, not even a spot, but just to enter the uh, race. If you're racing the Boston Marathon, you, you are a good runner. You know you know what you're doing. So in 1980, let's go back many years here in the Wayback Machine to 1980, uh, the Boston Marathon. Uh, Rosie Ruiz crossed the finish line with the clock at two hours, 31 minutes, 56 seconds. Whoa. Yeah. Now that's no, wait, a, some context for those of us who are not Karen and don't run marathons. Yeah. So time. Karen's reaction should put that into context. Yeah. Now this. Yeah. Just for a little that's bit more like context. That, that would have been the fastest time a woman had ever run at the Boston Marathon. Okay. Wow. Uh, okay. It, it would have right. been the third fastest time ever run by a woman anywhere in a marathon. Okay. So it's mm-hmm. not a good time. That's a great time. Right from the start, people were a little suspicious of her time across the line. Why? Just because it was well, super fast? Well, no one had ever well, heard of her. Right. right. For one so thing, there was that. exactly. Like, no one ever heard of her, and a lot of these people know each other. You'll have frequent winners, you know, two or three years in a row sometimes. Or they're yeah. Olympians sometimes, too. Sure. There were other um, more obvious signs that perhaps something was amiss. Uh, she didn't really seem to be out of breath at all. <laughs> um, she, she wasn't even really sweating all that much, you know? Her shirt was really comparatively oh. dry. People were sort of really eyeballing her, like, what is going on here? And, in fact, the winner of the men's division, uh, he kind of went up to her and outright really doubted her story. Yeah. He's like, you know, he was asking her things like what your split times were, and she didn't she didn't really seem to know or care. What's uh, split times? Yeah. Splits are, so if you ever race, splits are usually kind of like landmarks, right? So at the 5K point, this was your time. At the 10K point, this is your time. Uh, and so as you're running... You, you'll kind of know what kind of yeah. pace you're if in. If you're an elite okay. runner, especially. And this is before the time of like GPS run tracking or whatever that can just tell you through your headphones like what yeah. your time or your pace is. Well, was his time close to hers? Because it would be like, I ran 26 miles and I did not see you. Like, well, no, you're absolutely lady, right. Yeah. The, the second and third place women were like, well, no, we, we she didn't pass us. We didn't see her. We don't, we don't know who she is. We did not see her on the course. And then on top of all of this, right? Now, as I say, you had to qualify to run the marathon. Um, so she had run in the New York Marathon earlier that year, which is also mm-hmm. a fairly big deal marathon. Mm-hmm. Uh, the time that she posted was 25 minutes slower. So to make an improvement of 25 minutes in six months is, is a big deal. So okay. nothing was adding up. People were really, really suspicious of Rosa uh-huh. Ruiz. But she was good enough to qualify. And that's the She's thing. She's still good. That's the thing. And so for a lot of people's minds, it's like, all right, well... How did she trim this time off her race? What was she doing? She must at least have some running skill, but what's, right. you know, what's her angle? So over the course of the next few days, th- there was also some other information that came forward that was really damning to Rosie Ruiz's case. There were a couple students, friends who had come out to watch the race, and they said, Oh, we saw her burst out of the crowd of spectators like half a mile from the finish and kind of just barge her way onto the race course. And at the time, they remember thinking, like, who is this lady? What is she doing? Mm -hmm. They didn't think much of it. And then when they saw, you know, later in the news reports, they're like, that's the lady we saw. (laughs) Rosie Ruiz, we saw her kind of just come out of the crowd half a mile from the finish. Mm -hmm. So it seems to be, I have to say. And this is what year, by the way? This was 1980. This is 1980. So no cell phone cameras. Very few No one's tweeting, crazy lady came out of the crowd at half mile mark. There there might not be a lot of, of actual physical evidence. And before the times of, you know, smartphones and stuff every every runner nowadays have a bib mm. right that has mm-hmm. their number yeah. but also built into the bib or actually they give you a little tag that you put on your shoe mm-hmm. as an RFID tra- oh, like like okay. tracker basically sure. for each personal runner so right, as you're right. running through say the 5k split mm-hmm. there's something built on the ground that will communicate yes. with your RFID mm-hmm. tag and then right. puts it in the right. system that was their split time. That RFID thing. Do you remember there was a um, a celebrity who gave their personal trainer like there are oh. like somebody who's running with two. Oh RFID. no, they're like that happens. Clock, yeah. clock my time for me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Unfortunately, right. that happens. Some people will run with multiple bibs. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. The time yeah. is really recording the time of the RFID tag crossing yeah. the finish no, line. Yeah. 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 That person. Um, so, but the the most damaging uh, story that came out was uh, from a woman named Susan Morrow, and Susan Morrow was watching news reports, uh, and she lives in New York. And she recognized Rosie Ruiz. Mm -hmm. She's like, I know this woman. I ran into her the day of the New York City Marathon. So Susan Morrow was on her way to watch a friend run in the marathon. She was she was heading to the finish line, and she was taking the subway. On the subway, she sees a woman, you know, on the train wearing running gear and looking kind of down. She went over. She she sat down next to her. They got to talking. Turns out this is Rosie Ruiz. And Rosie told Susan Morrow that she had dropped out of the race of the New York City Marathon, you know, a little bit before the halfway mark. She had hurt her ankle. But, you know, we're going to the same place. 
Uh, we're going to the finish line together. Oh Let's my gosh, she's together. taking the subway She took the subway to the finish. They took the train. They went to the finish line of the New York City Marathon. And together, they walked. And because Rosie Ruiz had her runner's gear on, they were getting waved through barricades. They were getting through without anybody really questioning. Mm-hmm. Because she looked like she, you know, she was limping along. She was an injured runner. They got to the finish line. And at that point, they separated. And Rosie Ruiz went over and declared, I'm an injured runner. Mm-hmm. They pulled her in. They recorded her time. And that was her registered time in the New York City Marathon. <sighs> Marathon. So she got a fraudulent time Mm -hmm. that she then used to qualify for the Boston Marathon six months later. So Susan Morrow came forward with her story. And to this day, Rosie Ruiz maintains that she ran the race. She she has not fessed up. So does she still hold the title as like the third? No, they stripped her time and they awarded, they moved all the prizes down to the Okay, so not like an asterisk. No asterisk. Yeah, it was, and she, she never really had any plausible story for how you know, she, right. her, her best story was, I was just feeling really energetic this morning when I got up. That was about the extent of yeah. her And claim. not sweaty at all. Right, like, right. And it is because of Rosie Ruiz, Karen, that they started instituting measures like RFID tags. Whoa. This This was really the, sort of the biggest uh, catalyst to them moving over toward that mm-hmm. system. You know, when Rosie Ruiz finished somewhere in the middle of the pack or whatever it was, nobody was really paying any attention because she didn't win any prizes. And it was just sort of like, okay, well, she finished with this time or she didn't finish with this time. It doesn't really matter, right? When she wins first place, when she wins it yeah. and oh, sets a record. literally almost superhuman time, <laughs> then, uh, and only then, you can go back and then the evidence starts coming out that there's there's enough of a spotlight on her that, like, the, the cheating is discovered. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and to Chris's point, if she had maybe been a little less ambitious, she might not have gotten caught, you know? I mean, the experts, yeah. Oh, yeah. they all kind of say, like, she just she just didn't know what she was doing. Like, she, right. she yeah. cheated too well. Yes, 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 yes. Wow. Wait, so when did they introduce RFIDs? Was it, did they have the technology, like, 1981? They started yeah. within just a couple of years. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. And it's so easy because it's like, you don't, no one has to really keep a time. It's all automatic and then you mm-hmm. can go online and check your time right oh, when it yeah, happens. Oh, yeah, of course. Of course. It's all like posted already, to the web today. I checked my yeah. time like a minute after I crossed the finish line because I was like, I don't know what time I have. And it's, oh, right there That makes on the sense. Website. I didn't even think about cool. that. But of course they would have it, yeah. So, well, speaking about sticking with your story to the, to the bitter end, I would like to start off by reading you guys a passage from the New Republic, a very prestigious American uh, news magazine, political news magazine, from the May 18th, 1998 issue. And this is the first paragraph of an article Uh, That was titled, Hack Heaven. Ian Restill, a 15-year-old computer hacker who looks like an even more adolescent version of Bill Gates, is throwing a tantrum. I want more money. I want a Miata. I want a trip to Disney World. I want X-Man comic number one. I want a lifetime subscription to Playboy and throw in Penthouse. Show me the money. Show me the money. Over and over again, the boy who is wearing a frayed Cal Ripken Jr. t-shirt, is shouting his demands. Across the table, executives from a California software firm called Juked Micronics are listening and trying ever so delicately to oblige. Excuse me, sir, one of the suits says tentatively to the pimply teenager. Excuse me, pardon me for interrupting you, sir. We can arrange more money for you. Then you can buy the comic book, and then when you're of more, say, appropriate age, you can buy the car and pornographic magazines on your own. <laughs> this was the this was the lead paragraph to this story in the New Republic that was a really hot story because this was 1998. It was just absolutely capturing the imaginations of people, you know, of the, the sort of nascent Silicon Valley culture of teenage kids getting one up on, on you know, emerging computer companies and it was an amazing amazing story and it was also completely 100% made up totally totally fake this was written by but it sounds sounds so real it sounds so real (laughs) and it sounds so good and it turned out to be too good to be true oh so it was written by Stephen Glass. Uh. 25 years old at the time, he had been working as an editor at the New Republic for a few years. He had been the executive editor of his school's paper, The Daily Pennsylvanian, and, you know, he was well-respected. He was a, was a great writer. Everybody liked him. The staff at Fortune, Fortune Digital, their, their sort of website that they had at the time, wondered how exactly they had been scooped on this, because they had not heard of a company called Juked Micronics, mm. and they had not heard of a hacker. The guys at Fortune were like, well, this is our beat. We're 
we're going to go to the New Republic and to Stephen Glass and to his editors and just interview them about the story and just ask them about it because like where did it come from yeah we're just taken totally off guard by this there was little enough evidence in 1998 it was really it was tougher to sort of prove that something didn't happen Mm -hmm. because you know reporters were still just sort of meeting with sources and there's not like digital recording and what ended up happening was with with the hack heaven story they hammered him on all of the things they could not find anything he said to them like at one point you know i'm I'm increasingly beginning to feel like i have been duped (laughs) And and the story he then told was these hackers, and this is all from reports mm. that came out later. Vanity mm. Fair did a really big article that was turned into a movie called mm-hmm. Shattered Glass. And yeah. he had talked about, like, oh, these hackers, you know, I think they, they convinced me that there was this fake made-up company. This company oh didn't God. exist. <laughs> yeah. They, so his editor took him to the hotel where he had said that that meeting between the the fifteen year old hacker and the and the the juked Micronics company had happened, and I mean, and he would just start spinning up this whole story about like, okay, I sat there, and then he came in the lobby here, and then I walked up and talked to him there, and then we went through these doors, went to this conference room. It was all this on the spot, yeah. and he was, and he starts producing for his editor Stephen Glass starts producing business cards, emails. Oh. He made a fake company website. Uh, for this company, he even went so far as to give his editor his brother's Palo Alto, California phone number, and the editor called up that number thinking that was the an, an, an executive at, at Juked Micronics, and his brother was in on the whole thing and, like, answered, you know, for oh. him. <laughs> he made up the whole story, and then as they started asking him more stuff, he started creating right. a false trail of oh evidence. My, Be like, of course the company exists. Here's the dude's business card. Mm-hmm. Of course the company exists. Here's the the website. Oh, here, email this guy. Oh, he didn't get back to you? Oh, the email's been been killed? Let me find you another email. And just, just trying to spin it out as long as he possibly could. Eventually, finally, he says, okay, I wasn't actually at the meeting. They told me about it. And I wrote the story as if I had been at the meeting, but they had just told me that it had happened. Yeah. Which which would itself be a breach of journalistic ethics, but but not nearly as serious as making it up out of whole cloth. Thing is, it you know, it starts out with fabulists, and that's what they call people like Stephen Glass. You know, it starts out with little things. It starts Fabulet. out with like, fabulists, as in people who create fables. Not fabulous. No. They might um, also be fabulous, fabulous, fabulous. Yes. You start out with little things. You know, you start out by like, oh, I, you know, I need a good quote in this story to really tie it all together. I'll just make one up. And then nobody catches you. Right. And then you start making up, you know, maybe it's half made up and half true. You know, maybe you're just sort of, you're doing some of the reporting and then you're just sort of fleshing it out with other stuff that you made up, which probably sounds true. It might even be true. You know, you just didn't really do the legwork on it. And the next thing you know, you don't get caught, you don't get caught, you don't get caught. You are fabricating entire people, companies, everything out of thin air because you think that you're invincible. Uh, Stephen Glass uh, currently has been working as a paralegal in the state of California and actually wants to get a license to practice law. And uh, that case is, is I believe, currently in front of the California Supreme Court. Whether he because can whether or not he can uh, do that. be allowed to practice law oh. in the state of California. Because he's proven he's unethical. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, big time. And that is exactly the sort of the foundation of the case that's in front of the Supreme Court. And so this was a while ago, but I haven't been able to find any updates. So I don't know if the Supreme Court is going to cast a, so wait, does a that judgment mean, on that. Does that mean that he applied to be a lawyer and yeah. someone said no and now he's suing Oh, yeah. The, the yeah. bar is, No, no, no. Wow. The, the bar association oh, yeah. trying to stop so him not from even, ever he yeah oh, even wow. taken the bar oh he has he's taking he passed him with flying colors the guy's he's incredibly smart. smart but like you have to they have to allow you to practice lies oh not just illegal. like if you ace the test you're fine you can yeah. you can be disbarred for moral reasons oh, like of course. Yeah. Ethics, or, yeah or never admitted to the legal profession in the in the first place wow. yeah yep so i i mean you can cheat by lying outright or you can also cheat by stealing other people's work That's so right. i'm gonna talk about um plagiarism did you know that plagiarism, the Latin root for it is kidnap? No. no. Yeah. So it's like you like, you kidnap somebody else's thoughts. So it was a poet who said that this guy kidnapped my verses. I like that. <laughs> That's actually really fiery. Oh, yeah. Very poetic. very poetic. A poet said that. Yeah. So. <laughs> have you ever heard of Lee? <laughs> I thought you were going to ask, have you guys ever plagiarized? <laughs> <laughs> the gonna... answer might surprise you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. In fourth grade. Did I, you? What yeah. did you do? All my reports were just... Just 
copied off from the encyclopedia, word for word. No, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Think- well, that's well. There's actually, I mean, plagiarism is a sliding scale, right, Dana? I mean, there's yeah. there's there's copying right out of the encyclopedia, word for word, and then there's other degrees of plagiarism as well. But I think maybe back then it was more of a, a test on resourcefulness. And less on the actual like, content, <laughs> like maybe like maybe. like being able to find the right information, yeah. like matching information. Because I still had yeah. to read all of it. You're I still had to flip to the right page. Yeah, you, you tricked me. And you know it's the thing with plagiarism: if you cite your source, now you're you're researching. You're you're, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> plagiarism, plagiarism is you kidnap the work. You're pretending that it's yours. You're passing it off somebody else's ideas or as yours. thoughts as as if they were yours. But if you said, "Oh, Encyclopedia Britannica says," you can just <laughs> Quote a whole page. (laughs) (laughs) One page down. That was the name of Karen's report, was just Encyclopedia Britannica Says (laughs) by Karen Chu. It's a lot harder for kids to get away with plagiarism these days than maybe when we were in school. There's all sorts of plagiarism programs now. Computer programs where they they search through a database of other student papers. And if your paper is too close to somebody else's, they'll flag it. Mm -hmm. So that's how the main... Like the most popular one works, which right. is called turnitin.com. And it will find yeah. it will find pastiches too. If you've taken things from multiple sources and kind of jammed all the sentences together, it will find those. Mm. Yeah. It will find edit find replace. You know, mm-hmm. it will find like if you just take something and just drop in a bunch of synonyms, yeah. it will find <laughs> that too. To it will find yeah. you out. <laughs> they can tell if your writing style changes yes. over the course of your page. Yep. So it's like all of a sudden, you start using really complicated words in this section, and then you go back down to like normal words for your grade level, whatever. I don't know if Turnitin does that, but other plagiarism ones do that mm-hmm. too, which I thought was cool. So Harvard recently, a, a bunch of kids got, got expelled from Harvard this year mm-hmm. for plagiarizing. There was a, 279 people in the class, and about half of them cheated on their final exam. Aye. Or they think they plagiarized mm. each other. Well, so it's not illegal, For but so. yeah, Harvard yeah. can but, kick you but out. But in school, yeah. it's really frowned upon. You're well, supposed to, to come yeah. up with your own ideas. Yeah. Right, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the whole thing, right? I mean, it's it's coming up with, it's adding something to the discussion and not misrepresenting scholarship that someone else did as an idea that you yeah. came up with. Yeah. Back to journalism, though. Have you heard of Leanne Spider Baby McDougal? Have you heard of her? <laughs> Only just in the last few weeks did that yeah. name enter my Only just now. So, that's a yeah. crazy name. Well, that's Spider not a... Baby's her web name, her professional handle maybe. Uh, okay, so her she's, handle. So she's a, um, a horror critic or writer, reviewer. Um, she's also Quentin Tarantino's girlfriend. Oh. And very recently she got busted for plagiarism. Oh. Big time plagiarism. What did she do? Many of her posts on Fearnet they found were written by other people, by other bloggers. And you could see different um, chunks of her reviews taken from other writers. She kind of would paste them together, edit them together. Wow. And she was a, a draw on the site. She was too, a draw. Right? So she's taken down all her articles and she had this like big apology on Twitter recently. It's kind of kind of sad, embarrassing. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Do you guys do you guys know that the novel Assassin of Secrets? By by no. Q R Markham, it was released in 2011 so. by okay. uh, published by Little Brown. To acclaim, it was a spy thriller. Uh, people were like, "Oh, you know, fantastic debut novel." It was just really, really great. And it turns out the entire book was just a pastiche of paragraphs and sections and chapters and stuff taken from other people's spy novels. Lots and lots of stuff like lifted from James <laughs> Bond novels and stuff like that. They that didn't the notice. Just strung it. Nobody noticed. He just <sighs> strung it all together so expertly, essentially. But it it worked yeah, as a just, story. Yeah, I was just well, say, yeah, I mean, you know, you, you, know some... you change the names to your characters' names and stuff like that, but you just describe, like, this is, you just swap out the names, but and that's, that's how it works. But that's still very masterful. It was discovered very quickly after publication. And confirmed. Yeah, and 100%. confirmed. Oh, because uh, the passages were identical. Yeah. That, that's, book, why, that's why we were surprised it even got published. It was right, like, they didn't right, even Right, right, Well, nobody recognize... put it through the plagiarism software, basically. Yeah. That's surprising. Do they, so they do that with books, too? I don't I guess know. So. I don't they think, don't. I don't think they do. I guess not. They published it. They maybe should. So do people get their money back if they bought the book? No, it's probably a collector's item. <laughs> yeah, yeah, now I kind of want to read yeah. it. <laughs> I'm curious how it hangs together. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, masterful. it's bad, but neat. I've made fake sources before. <laughs> you know, this is a real really? confessional uh, uh, Karen for Karen is a fabulous. <laughs> But I was re- I was a kid. I would make up like people like author names and stuff. Oh. I remember once source I made up was Mary Miller. 
Oh, you're so good at it. I would get too elaborate, and then I'd freak myself out, and I'd have to take it out. Like, like Millicent Periwinkle. Yeah. 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 Oh, no, it's... I'm like, yes, Eugenia Blackwell. And I'm like, sounds true. These all sound like Dickens characters. And I'm like, delete. This is not going to work. Bad job, brain. Like, I was young. I had no idea. Sure. You were like, what, 21? Yeah. <laughs> I, I was like 12. Okay. All righty. In honor of our uh, sponsor for this episode, Squarespace, online platform for creating websites and stuff. I've commissioned Colin, yes. even though I didn't pay him, but I've asked him very nicely. <laughs> by, by order of Karen. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we're all pretty web savvy, but I would say, Colin, you're probably the most web savvy out of all of us mm-hmm. because of Squarespace being online and stuff to make an online internet quiz. Yes, I have uh-huh. a quiz for you guys called Webmasters. Oh, really? oh with nice. a Z. Webmasters. Oh, with three Z's with a Z. One. Yes, as Karen, as you alluded to, these are all uh, questions about the internet, the web, famous things in that sphere. So I will read out the questions. You guys get your buzzers ready. Mm-hmm. I, hope they're, I hope they're challenging because all of us are pretty good. I, I would say you guys are all pretty good. There's I hope there are some challenging ones in okay, here, okay. Uh, but tried to make it fun. All so, right. Uh, all right. So let's start it off. When the domain name system was introduced in 1985, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, we've talked before about domains on the show, right? So .com is sure. a top-level domain. All right. So mm-hmm. when the domain name system was implemented in 1985, there oh. were originally six three-letter top-level domains created. All of them are still in use today. Uh-huh. I just gave you one, mm-hmm. .com. Okay. Would anyone like to take a stab at listing all six? We can go around. Oh, oh yeah, okay. we can do it order. I think, Chris, though, why don't you take a whack at it? Okay. Um, .com, yep. .net, yep. .gov, mm-hmm. .edu, yep. um, .org. <laughs> oh, no. .org. Oh, yep. Did you get .gov? Yeah, I got yeah. gov. One dot, more. Orgcom, net, gov, edu. Dot mil for military. Oh, interesting. Yes. Do they use that at yes. all? They do, in fact, use it. Uh, huh. It's exclusively reserved for the use of U.S. military-based sites. Huh. Uh, the U.S. doesn't own the internet, but uh, a lot of the early domain uh, rules and regulations were set up everybody in the U.S. bosses. Yes, yes. yes. Got right. Mm-hmm. right. Uh, yeah, that's right. But .com, of course, quickly became the de facto yeah. <laughs> default Well, originally .com was supposed to be for commercial websites, right. and then .net was supposed to be for things that were of non-commercial use if I was just to have my own website or whatever. Right, that's generally right. They, they yeah. imagine .net might be used for networks of sites that all kind of resolve to a similar oh, place. Web rings. Right. Oh, uh, web rings. I had oh. some, I was in some web rings. I was in my web ring. The oldest online language translation service and still in operation today was named after a tiny yellow creature oh, sorry. from what famous novel? Oh, what Dana, eagerly. Novel. Is it Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? Yes, it yes. is Hitchhiker's oh, Guide oh, to the Galaxy. Yeah. And yeah. Babble Fish. Mentioned Babble Fish. The huh. Babble Fish. Yes, I remember that. Yes, Babble Fish, created by uh, Digital Equipment Corporation and Alta Vista originally. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it passed hands a couple times uh, from Alta Vista. Yahoo owns and operates Babble Fish today. Still running, still mm-hmm. operational. I forgot that was in Hitchhiker's Guide yeah. to the Galaxy. He put it in your ear, which was crazy. I looked up his original passage from uh, talking in the book. Uh, He actually describes it as a small, yellow, leech-like character. Mm -hmm. So it leeches in the air that uh, basically Mm -hmm. it would absorb brainwaves. Banana slugs. Convert them to other... uh, It would absorb languages and convert them so you could understand any language. I have a thing about things in my ear, and that's why it's so vivid to me. Like, (laughs) I thought a lot about it. Now, you guys may have heard of a little company on the internet called Google. Maybe what? no twice. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, you also probably know that Google is named after a real life concept of yeah. Google. G O O G O L. Yes. Yeah. What is a Google? <laughs> Dana. One with a hundred zeros. After That's it. correct. It is one followed by a hundred zeros. What power is that? That's well, ten to the hundredth power. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh. 
and Google is a fun, silly word, and you guys may have heard the story before. This is true. This is an absolutely true story. The term was coined by the nine-year-old nephew of a mathematician named Edward Kasner, mm-hmm. and he was basically mm-hmm. trying to come up with a name to really get the idea of an unimaginably large number, but right. that is a real number. And so his nine-year-old... That's a really hard question to ask kids. Well, you know, you ask a nine-year-old, and nine-year-old Milton came up with Google. Mm-hmm. And wow. he also came up with Googleplex. Oh, really? Yes. Huh. Now, this is where I, this one always tickles me. So Google's headquarters uh, down in Mountain View is called the Googleplex. Yeah. Yeah. Google, yeah. Google Complex. Complex. But yeah. a Googleplex was also introduced as a mathematical concept by nine-year-old Milton. Mm-hmm. Do you know what a Googleplex is? I believe that's uh, a Google times a Google. It is 10 to the Google power. Oh, okay. <laughs> so okay. it is an yeah. even crazier, no. unimaginably no. No. large no. number. 10 to the Google 10 to power. 100. Right. No, yeah. 10 to... to- the 10 to 100. So one with 100 yes. zeros 10 after to the 10 to the 100. That's yeah, right. That's yeah. Okay. A yeah. lot. Scientists have, have uh, said you, you could not possibly write this number out. You, uh, it, okay. would, it would exceed the span of a human lifetime by oh. so many orders of magnitude. Wow. It would take up more space <laughs> than is available in the universe. You could not write this number out. Got Jeez. It. <laughs> Milton's definition for Googleplex originally was one followed by writing zeros until you get tired. <laughs> <laughs> so it might be less than a Google. Yes, yes. <laughs> All right, I'm going to read you guys a list of items, and I want you to tell me what, what, what makes these items special. What do they have in common? Mm-hmm. All right, here we go. A Toyota Tercel, mm-hmm. a Superman lunchbox, a broken laser pointer, and underwear autographed by Marky Mark. Oh, nice. Karen. Uh, are they all uh, first thing sold on eBay? That is correct. Oh, oh, nice. I, I cannot believe you. you I, no, I didn't put that together. I was like, way back, no. way back in 1995, no. when eBay was still uh, the, known as Auction Web, the, the story goes a that... broken point. Yeah, that's yes. the one that, why would you buy? That is okay. famously said to be uh, possibly the first, certainly among the first items ever sold by the founder, by Pierre Omidar. He had sold a broken laser pointer ah. for $14.83. He was shocked when somebody bought it, yes. Right. The, story, the story goes that he contacted the, the buyer and was like, you're aware this is a broken laser pointer? Mm-hmm. They were just like, oh yeah, I collect broken laser pointers. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and thus just proving yeah. the proof of concept of it's like, just oh, this about is gonna work. matching up the item to the one person yeah. who wants it. Yeah. Wow. yeah. All right, we'll close it out here with uh, one more for you guys. What is an Octothorpe? What if I asked you to draw oh. an octothorpe for me, keep in mind the genre of questions we're asking yes. yeah. here. Something you might encounter out on the web or the internet. It is very common. I can practically guarantee you guys see it every day. Chris. Is this a hash mark? Yes. Okay. Uh, An octothorpe is one of the, the many names the for... pound symbol, the pound. hash mark. The yeah, pound okay. symbol, the number sign, the oh. hash mark. Mm-hmm. Yes. The octothorpe is yes. one of the more uh, technical sounding names for it. Like ampersand. Yeah. Yeah. Frustratingly, there are several origin stories behind the word octothorpe. Uh, some mm-hmm. people say it comes from old map making terms. I don't tend to buy that one. Uh, engineers at Bell Laboratories claim that they coined the term. Uh, and it I, I tend to put some stock in that because it was used in phone systems. You know, it's the pound oh, key. Okay. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they claim that they introduced that name for that symbol because they felt it needed a better name. Octothorpe. Why and, do people call it hash mark now? Is that also... I mean, well, it is hashes. I mean, that's in drawing, right? Oh, okay. When you're, like, you know, doing cross vertical hatching. lines. And, yeah. That, hash, is, that is definitely... Hashes, yeah. Yeah. I guess pound is weird to say. There's another theory that it may come from the word yeah. Pound, good job, brain. Well, you know, in the course of reading this, it, you know, so someone, made, someone made the point, like, they don't call it the pound sign in the UK. And I was like, oh, right. of course, because of the obvious right. confusion yeah. with pounds. What do they call it? Uh, they tend to call it a hash. Is, is, yeah. yeah, Because hash their and, money's the pound. Mm-hmm. Right. Which raises the question, what do we call the pound? It, you know, historically was used to stand in, like, for pounds and weights. Oh, really? So, like, huh. if, you were, if you were at the grocer's, um, you know, it might say pork price seven. 10, 10 hash mark, meaning this is the price for 10 pounds of, you know, pork or whatever. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Not like open. you're buying 10 pounds of pork. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> don't worry I don't know about why that's it. The first thing that my don't you that worry your pretty a little head about total it. total normal amount of pork to buy. <laughs> <laughs> None of your business. <laughs> oh, great. Well, listeners, I hope you enjoyed our little 
web quiz hopefully inspires you to maybe go make your own website and you can definitely go to squarespace.com for your free trial and additional 10% off and all you have to do is use our super awesome code beaverbutt (laughs) families have a lot going on let ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up like delicious lolly focus pops or lolly mellow pops for kids and for parents try three new brainy chews to help you focus chill out or get energized find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com that's o-l-l-y.com these statements have not been evaluated by the food and drug administration this product is not intended to diagnose treat cure or prevent any disease Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So I have a story. It's not necessarily cheating, cheating, but it's definitely sneaky. Okay. And it's uh, kind of a exploit and 100% shady. <laughs> and this was inspired because last week at Pub Trivia, we got the question and we got it wrong. The question was, what was the largest Canadian export in the 1700s? Oh, yeah. 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 Now, to be fair, because we said the right answer, we just didn't pick the right right, answer. Yes, it was one of the, it was one of two we were considering, which was we were considering fur, and we were considering lumber, Mm. wood. Turns out, it was the fur trade, the largest export of Canada for a couple of centuries. They realized, hey, there's a lot of animals and uh, that we can get <laughs> we can get fur from and and they're coming from England and right. France why not send some people and go on explorations kind of Lewis and Clark but in skin, Canada skin yeah. everything you find that's right <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. go deeper see what other animal you can find and kill it guys so far every animal we've seen has had some fur on it yeah. I yeah. think we should keep looking it gets cold up here just keep going <laughs> why didn't you read that a week ago Karen I know I know, I know. But then this research led me to this sneaky, kind of crazy-sounding story. A member from our rival pub trivia team actually mentioned it and when we were kind of talking about you know pub quiz and stuff. He's like, oh, you didn't hear about this and this? And I was like, what? That sounds crazy. <laughs> so I read about it. So there was a giant theft in Canada that happened. It was a big deal because what was stolen was valued at $18 million. Whoa. The thing that was stolen is really weird. It's maple syrup. Oh. 18 the, the million. Real, the real stuff. Yeah, the real good right. stuff. Canada has something called the Global Strategic Maple Syrup Reserve. Oh. <laughs> Instead of strategic global. oil it's, reserves. Yep. It <laughs> strategic maple syrup exactly reserve. Exactly. Sure. Like yep. yep. Analogous to the oil reserve. If one year there's bad harvest they've got uh, maple syrup they can release syrup out of the reserves yep and because they produce the world's uh, like three-fourths of the world's maple syrup right. you know they they need to they uh, need this reserve over to their kind of control yeah right. yeah and it's a big deal so obviously all of the syrup has to live somewhere <laughs> how much syrup does the global strategic maple syrup reserve hold it holds right now estimate <laughs> 46 million pounds of syrup. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. I did some calculations, and that's about how much 23,000 blue whales would weigh. <laughs> 23,000 blue I was like, oh, I got to put this in context. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's a, a, it's, it's, it's a much more standard unit of measurement. Right. Yeah. yeah. The blue whale. Yeah, Imagine. Providing the blue whale. Yeah. This animal on Earth. 23,000 of them. That... That's how much maple syrup. Wow. That's a lot of syrup. It is. So the theft... They made out uh, with probably 10 million pounds of syrup, which still is a lot. And it's syrup. Did they just tap into the tanks or were these like in trucks? Like where? How did they do it? Yeah. yeah. Just a giant straw? I mean. So. The wedge. I just imagine. No, a Mrs. Butterworth's bottle. <laughs> yeah. The big as the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> She's like, me, hungry. And then she just drinks it all. Oh, she's not alive in my fantasy. Oh, she's just a regular bottle. She was like the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man in mine. Oh, yeah. 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 
strategic. <laughs> so the Global Strategic Syrup Reserve, they keep the syrup in uh, drums and barrels, a large industrial uh-huh. types. And at that time, the original warehouse was being remodeled. Uh-huh. And they actually had another storage unit, uh, a warehouse that the Federation <laughs> uh, reserved <laughs> to put some of the extra syrup in there while they're remodeling the thieves rented another portion of the warehouse for an unrelated business okay right so they're sharing that space so that enabled them to drive large trucks with forklifts into the building and you know Uh... people won't get suspicious and so when no one else was around the thieves gradually um they emptied the syrup barrels <laughs> and uh actually some of them were even filled back with water just so that they would, oh, they would yeah, have, sure. it's like what you do You'd at a mini bar yeah. yeah in a hotel room what karen this, can, <laughs> <laughs> this we're finding out what sneaky string of confessions <laughs> of stuff that you've pulled over your life because now it's spiraling now you can't say you were 12 raining the hotel mini bar and replacing it with water. no i'm just saying i didn't say i'd do it i'm oh. saying it's just tip of tongue, so we're like, yeah, oh. You know of oh. it. Yeah, I know of it. I've sure. never done it. I've never done it. And what did they do with the syrup? I mean, they, they sold yeah. them. They set up a, a kind of legitimate maple syrup dealers, basically. <laughs> and they would sell the maple syrup to other Canadian provinces that don't produce maple syrup, sold it to the U.S. Sold, and the sold it on the, on the brown market. <laughs> yeah. More of an amber. I mean, really. Oh, that's good. The amber. Do they bust them? Did they get the people? They did. I mean, this sounds all ridiculous and all, but, oh, sure. but it's still, it's important business. It's, it is. It's a oh, big yeah. part of Canadian economy. And if the thieves had succeeded, your normal maple syrup probably would go up price by you know a lot mm-hmm. so it, it mm-hmm. does have this effect the companies that were buying the stolen syrup how would they know like it's maple syrup yeah. like you can't right. prove this barrel of syrup is the stolen one or is not the stolen one so yeah. i mean that really kind of delayed the process of of nailing these guys too wow it's, yeah it's, it was smuggled yeah. inside mcgriddles yeah and then carefully extracted <laughs> put it in balloons it's like a canadian ocean's 11 <laughs> yeah got Flying across the country, swallowing balloons full of syrup. <laughs> yeah, syrup. Oh, man. <laughs> My life is a syrup yeah. mule. <laughs> Memoir. Shocking expose. Feels so sluggish, I bet. <laughs> All right, well, I will uh, wrap it up. Our tales of cheating and shady behavior here with uh, one uh, last little segment for you guys. So, you know, no surprise to the three of you, at least, that uh, I really love Las Vegas. Kind of yeah. surprised to hear that I didn't know that but okay uh, really all right great I do I love it I love I, I just I, I love gambling in general I you know I got it under control guys it's not a problem. <laughs> just I love the 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 fake and glitz yeah. and shine and so not only do I like going to Las Vegas to play uh, blackjack mostly is my game of choice but I love stories of heists and swindles and cheating and as you might imagine you know casinos are a just a tantalizing opportunity for cheaters and swindlers. Mm-hmm. If you figure out the right scam, you can make lots of money. So, you know, there have been any number of stories over the years of people with, you know, electromagnetic devices they've smuggled in to affect the roulette wheel and all kinds mm-hmm. of crazy, you know, radios that communicate with each other at the tables and various mm-hmm. high-tech things like that. But there is one incident that supersedes all of these in terms of cheating, which is just uh, outright theft. A few years ago, uh, there was a brazen, brazen robbery at the Bellagio. You guys may have read about this. This was a big deal. This was in the early hours of the morning. A guy rode up on a motorcycle, parked it outside Bellagio, without taking his helmet off, strode in, he's got a gun in his hand, walked up to one of the craps tables, one of the higher limit craps tables, stole a million and a half dollars worth in chips. Wow. Oh, he just took it. Just walked right up. Yep. Just just brazenly took it off the table. People were kind of stunned. Like, you know, what's going on? And, you know, it was really early in the morning. It was not really a lot of people around. Yeah. Next thing you knew, he's back out the casino, hops on. He escaped. He escaped, gets on his motorcycle and rides away off into the night, into the Las Vegas night with a million and a half dollars worth in chips. Mm -hmm. Now, you might be thinking, like, that sounds like a lot of chips. Now, it is a lot of chips, but many of the chips that he took were $25,000 chips. Oh, sure. okay. Okay. Yep. So the smallest denomination they took were $100. So, I mean, this was a big deal, and the cops obviously wanted to try and catch this guy, but... Wait, hold on. But, yes. But in order for him to actually get the money, he still has to trade in the chips for cash. That's right. right. So, you know, presumably, he had one of two plans. His plan was either I'll come back and 
just sort of spend them slowly over the next weeks, months, oh, yep. years. Because they, don't, because they didn't get a picture of my face or right? whatever yeah. it is. Yep, yep. Or I will sell them to so, other gamblers. Sure. Yeah. Because you know. why don't you just take you know one of those $25,000 chips and sell it to 20. some totally other random dude. Yeah, for $20,000. Yeah. Yeah. That's for free $5,000. Now, the casino, aside from being put out of just the affront on their security, they were not particularly worried. They weren't out any money because they... Right instantly did two things. They instantly put a new set of chips into circulation that looked mm. different from the old chips. Ah. And uh. they basically declared, these other chips are no good anymore. Oh. Now, on top of that, they also deactivated the chips oh. because every single one of those chips contained an RFID tag uh. inside the chip. So, I mean, probably maybe not the, I mean, was it the $100 ones or just the $25,000 So this is really ones? interesting. It, uh, it only costs, they say it costs about $2.250 to embed an RFID chip in a chip. Okay. So it's worth it to them for really... Chip in a chip. Chip in a chip. Chip in a chip. So it's worth it yeah. to them for pretty much any chip all the way up. Part of this is for security. So they can do things like instantly taking the chips out of the system. And if someone tries to redeem that chip, they're like, no, this is stolen. Yeah. Or this yeah. is deactivated. Where'd you yeah. get this? Mm-hmm. It also helps them with things like just routine management of chips. You know, you can dump out a tray of chips on an RFID reader and it tells you, oh, here's the value of this pile that you put oh, out there. Oh, that's yeah. so smart. Oh, yeah. It's so really smart. It. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. really smart. Wow. That makes their job so much easier. <laughs> like, no, yeah. seriously. I mean, yeah. You know when you watch movies and like someone wins the giant slot in five yeah, 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 yeah. and raining down, it's like, oh man, I'd hate to be the, the person who had to count every single one of them. <laughs> yeah. I just scan it. Yep, yep, yep. So overnight, not even overnight, within an hour, this guy's chips were totally... Uh, zero. Zero, yeah. that's right. So eventually, he did get busted. He got caught in a sting doing exactly what we talked about. He got caught in a sting trying to sell the chips online uh, for a bargain. And he was, you know, quickly taken into custody fine. and sentenced. And yes. Wow. Well, that is the end of our show. Lots of... Lots of shady business. <laughs> My own secrets coming out. I know. Now we're like, oh, Karen is pretty sneaky. Just volunteered all the time. <laughs> yeah. On, in every segment, Karen's like, oh, yeah, you just do this thing. Yeah. And then... <laughs> Anyways. Well, I hope you guys learn a lot about anti-cheating mechanisms. We don't want people to cheat. Hearing about people who cheat and then, you know, the companies and the people who try to stop it, I think is super interesting. It's super smart, too. Fabulists. Lists. Fabulists. Fabulists. Sure. Plagiarism, casino cheating, uh, maple syrup heist, and also marathon cheating. Some crazy stuff. You can find our show on iTunes, on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, and also on our website, Good Job Brain, which is built with Squarespace, who is our uh, sponsor this episode. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Spend less time staying in the know about all things gaming and more time actually watching and playing what you want with the IGN Daily Update Podcast. All you need is a few minutes to hear the latest from IGN on the world of video games, movies, and television with news, previews, and reviews. So listen and subscribe to the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. That's the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts.